0: This is Leela Vis. I'm the host of Key Ideas and welcome to part three, the last part of my conversation with the dynamic Dennis Alexander. Stop everything and listen to parts one and two if you haven't done so already. Then come back to this episode as Dennis shares the smartest thing anyone can do as an aspiring composer. You'll laugh out loud as I did when he shared his teaching tip to go. And Dennis finishes our conversation by stating the single most important thing piano teachers can do for their students. Kind of on a whim this past July, I decided that I was going to meet with eight teachers. I was going to see once if I could get eight teachers to meet with me and that we would compose eight bars at a time. Because I really do enjoy helping my students compose. Now, I'm not calling myself a an expert composer but i do like to coach people along their creative path so it's been very fun seeing people's creative side come out and they've enjoyed it as well and you know i've had comments like well i never knew or i never thought about putting my theory into action quite like this or Uh you know seeing the function of chords so I, I'm wondering if you'll leave us uh, first of all, well, I have I need have another question for you as well. But before we finish up, do you have any tips for fellow composers? You know, are there certain things that you always follow? Do you have certain rules or do you stick to a form every time? I, I don't know. We all have these little thoughts in our minds or, you know, little borders or boundaries that we give ourselves. Can you, can you share just a little bit of what Dennis Alexander <laughs> uh, uh, thinks about when he composes?
1: Well, it's so interesting. Uh, and first of all, thank you for doing what you do. Um, you know, you, had just, you have inspired so many teachers over these last... Mm, thank uh, you several years with all of the things that you offer them and your your own creativity and i think it's just fantastic that you're doing this new uh what, what's it called a composing
0: eight plus eight composium it's eight yeah. teachers composing eight bars at a time
1: oh yeah it's a fascinating mm-hmm. uh, thing that you're doing and, and it's a congratulations oh, thank you and these teachers are lucky to have you oh. as their guide um but you know i it's as far as specific formulas. I think when I first started writing for Alfred, um, because I was, I was having to, to work with a, a method, mm-hmm. write for a method. It's very, very different that than is. just writing uh, for your own self or, or writing an individual piece uh, that's going to be part of your library. Um, you have a lot more uh, d- different things you can do then if you're writing for a specific method, it has to be correlated page by page by page or level by level. Um, but I think when I first started writing, I tended to, to do a lot of, of ABA mm-hmm. uh, types of forms. I, I, would, I would get a, a little motive going and then, and then uh, try and develop it. Uh, I think from a pedagogical standpoint, our, our young people need to understand form mm-hmm. in music. And uh, as a composer, uh, it, it, it's a very logical form to use, either that or two-part form, A, B, mm-hmm. or A, B, A. But I think that for aspiring composers, one of the smartest things they could do would be to study a few pieces mm-hmm. that they really like, find a, uh, a favorite pedagogical piece, say, uh, at a mid-elementary, late-elementary level, and maybe even uh, steal, so to speak, mm-hmm. the, a motif, mm-hmm. and see what they can do with that you know, two or three major motif, and build their own piece from that. Doing things like that will help give them a few more creative juices that might uh, evolve um, after, after they've done this. Um, I also think sometimes taking a piece that you really love to teach, for instance, to one of your students, um, see what you can do to create a different ending. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, we, we we sometimes just take these endings for granted. We do, but I but I think, um, for instance, uh, that there are many ways one could create a different ending for a piece. In fact, sometimes, in I, I was just recently uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, they had a Dennis Alexander festival, oh, and nice. and then I did some workshops for teachers at at the same time. But one of the teacher friends of mine there told me uh, that one of her students was playing uh, a piece of mine, a toccata, and and he really liked the toccata, but he wanted a different ending. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I said,
1: go for it. Right. Like, I, I think it's, you know. I think it's great. But just realize that if you're playing it in a festival, you better use <laughs> what's in the score <laughs> uh, to to play it safe. But I think that's that's often motivational and and helpful for aspiring uh, composers who are just getting into it also i i think i i know that sometimes in my early stages of writing i would use certain chord progressions Um, sometimes you know if if we can learn to to use what are standard chord progressions for you know beginning composers like the one four five one you know mm-hmm. four major phrases or one two uh, of four five one or one two five one uh chord uh symbols would be helpful for providing a just a basic framework but i i just think that one of i have found that for a lot of beginning composers, one of the hardest things for them to do is to create a beautiful melody. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, to me that that's essential that you have a sense of, of good uh, melodic flow or a melody that's organized well. So sometimes doing that in four bar phrases, you know, is logical and and very very helpful um when i was teaching piano pedagogy at the university of montana i always had my my first year pedagogy students write an original piece a lot of these piano performance majors would would see these pieces and they they would think to themselves oh well anybody could write that it's so easy to play. Yeah. Anybody can do that. Well, boy, did they find out <laughs> <laughs> how hard it is to write a really good, easy piece. And, That's hard. and uh, when, when they had to write something themselves and come up with their own creative title for the piece and come up with something that was not only pianistically sound or pedagogically sound, that would also fit the hand of us of a young student who had small hands they discovered right away that it's not so easy to to write a good easy piece so
0: that's interesting and that captivates the player and the audience
1: right? yes mm-hmm. exactly exactly mm-hmm. so there are there are so many things that go into writing a good piece uh one of the things that I, I love hearing more than anything from teachers who have taught my music and they'll come up to me at a workshop and they often say, your music really fits the hands of my students. Oh
0: yes. Yes. And it just,
1: you know, or, or it sounds so much harder than it really is. And and so there's kind of a knack of, of writing pieces, I think that sound harder. But, Play easy.
0: My word for that is accessible. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, Dennis, can we just state for the record that you and I, you had no idea what I was doing in this 8 Plus 8 Composium before we had this conversation, correct?
1: Uh, No, I didn't. Okay.
0: Because... Everything that you just said is exactly what I'm doing in this eight plus eight composium. Because I have my students create their own endings a lot. In fact, I'm always a little bit disappointed with Chopin's endings. After after working so hard on the polonaise, like, that's it? That's all we get? Yeah. (laughs) So we also often talk about that, but yes, the Composium is all about form: is eight bars for section A, eight bars section B, and and staying within boundaries. Yeah. And uh, so, thank you for what solidifying, confirming what I've been thinking for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I,
1: Lita, I I might just uh, mention, you know, there are, and I'm sure you probably have shared. Some of this information um, with your students, but there are some so, so many wonderful resources today for people who want to compose. Um, one that I particularly like is yeah. Renan Rossi's um, books called Composition Toolbox.
0: Yes, yes, I have those. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm those sure you good. do. Yeah, and
1: mm-hmm. and also um, the the wonderful book. That uh, Carol Closey, yes, yep, the the piano guide to creating mm-hmm. composition, yeah, uh, that's another really really good book, and um, there's a book called Write It Right uh, by Dan uh, Fox that's published by Alfred, which has has a lot of very very good information for um, music notation.
0: Oh, good. Oh, good. for
1: that, oh, uh, okay. it's that's an old book, but it's been out for a long time. It's a very very a handy book to know about. Oh, uh, there's both a, a, the main guidebook and a and a student workbook uh, that goes with that. So we're, we're lucky today that we have so many resources that we can uh, use to assist us. Of, you know, be, for people who are wanting to learn to compose right. or interested in in getting into the business
0: and my goal with this is to help teachers to compose, but also to help their students compose. And so we, they are all notating their pieces in NoteFlight, which is a Hal Leonard sure. platform. So it, it which sure. is so suitable for what we're doing. So thank you so much for your stamp of approval that you didn't even know you were giving, but also just <laughs> giving away a few of your secrets, which I was kind of hoping that you would say everything that you just did. So that's pretty cool. I'm excited. Good. Wonderful. So, can we end though with a teaching tip to go? Now, I'm sure you've got so many that you could give us, but do you have one in particular that listeners could use in their next lesson with the next student?
1: Well, you know, I mentioned, oh, gosh, there's too many <laughs> tips I'd like to share with you. Um, patience. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was not the one I was expecting. I love that one. It's a
1: sense of humor.
0: Patience. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but but you know I I, I mentioned a while ago um, how much I love and use the AnyTunes app. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I for me that's a major thing in my teaching today, at least with adult students, uh, because it's so motivational and helpful for them to to have those mp3 recordings uh it's either accompaniments or background media accompaniments or duet accompaniments for them to use in their practicing um, teaching i i think that one of the most important things that a teacher can do for a student is to teach them how to practice efficiently mm. I I I call it I I have a little abbreviation called EPT. Okay. Okay. EPT which stands for efficient practice techniques.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: And so I I try my best to teach my students the art of practicing Mm -hmm. and teaching them many different ways to practice certain types of passages so that they don't waste time, uh, so that they uh, don't into, get into the habit of always practicing everything the same way. Very so good. for me, I, I want all of my students to someday be able to sit down, learn a piece of music without a teacher. There you go. They, they've got to be independent learners, right? So exactly. they aren't always going to have a teacher. So it's important that we teach them and share with them uh, really good, effective, and efficient ways to practice. So for me, that would be one of the most most important things to share.
0: Couldn't agree more. And uh, what I like is when, uh, to me, independence means when they can diagnose the problem and prescribe the right practice strategy. Then yes. you know you've done your job.
1: Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I just, I take such pleasure in looking back over the years of, of teaching. And uh, I currently have so many former students who are either um, chairing piano departments in different universities or who are teaching privately and teaching really, really successfully. Uh, nothing gives me more pleasure than to have... Uh, these former students out doing what they love the most and being really good at it. Hmm. So uh, it's one of the most, I think, uh, one of the greatest rewards of being a teacher.
0: Well, you are a living legend and you have left a legacy and it continues. And we're so thankful that we have Dennis Alexander in this world to give us so many wonderful pieces for our students.
1: Well, oh, you're so well, kind.
0: Well-crafted and artistic pieces, too, I might add. Thank you so, Lisa, so much. Thank you so much, Dennis, for taking time to, um, taking the time to spend hanging out with me and, and with the listeners. I know they're going to appreciate your insights and your stories and your compassion for musicians and teachers. And thank you so much again for being with oh, it's me.
1: It's been such a pleasure. And thank you again for inviting me.
0: Yes, you're welcome.
1: I hope to see you soon. Oh, Hopefully definitely. in Minneapolis. Yes, I'll be in
0: Minneapolis. Yes. I look
1: forward to it. Okay. okay.
0: Indeed. Thank you, Dennis. Bye, well, that's it. My conversation with the legendary Dennis Alexander had to end sometime, and I'm so thankful for the time he shared with me and with you. Make sure to head to the show notes so that you can add more or even all of Dennis Alexander's colorful masterpieces to your library. This is Leela Viss. See you in the trenches armed with patience and lots of Dennis Alexander music books.